The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The hospitality industry is one of the fastest-growing industries in an improving economy. There are new career opportunities popping up in restaurants, hotels, and travel. Get the inside scoop today. Welcome to the Hospitality News Network with Stephen Nicole. Our hope is that you'll look at this industry in a whole new light. Now, here's your host, Stephen Nicole. Welcome, everyone. It's November 23rd. Right where I am right now, it's minus 7 Celsius and snowing. So I can't believe how cold it's gotten all of a sudden. We've got a great guest today, Ron Kalanick. He's affectionately known as Chef K. He began his culinary career in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And since then, he's gone to establish himself as an award-winning chef at many fine restaurants throughout Canada and the USA, as well as owning and operating seven, several national award-winning restaurants of his own. He's a teacher and consultant to the hospital hospitality industry, as well as a television host and author of 18 cookbooks to date, which have been released in as, in as many as 19 languages, sold in 64 countries worldwide. Ron has an MBA in hospitality management. We're going to talk about some of those books later. Chef K hosts television's Divine Cuisine, which has been broadcast on 14 stations globally along with five satellite networks. He's also been a host of the Jazz Cafe radio program, heard Sundays at 10 a.m. and 12 midnight on the Giant FM, a local radio station in the Okanagan. He's on the board of directors for Teen Mania Canada, as well as being a licensed minister with AFCM Canada. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. It's good to be here. Well, wow, that's quite a that's quite a list of things you've done over the over the years. I don't know where to. Ah, uh, that's good. I don't know where to start, but let me start where it all began. How did you get in started in the uh, hospitality industry and cooking? Well, I started in Jasper, Alberta, like you just said, in the Rocky Mountains, and um, I was hired by uh, Canadian National Hotels, now Fairmont Hotel. Jasper Park Lodge. Uh, They didn't tell me what I would do. They just hired me off a newspaper ad out of Winnipeg. So when I showed up, they decided that I could uh, maybe learn a little bit about being a server, a waiter, and they put me in their main dining room. So that's how I started in the industry. Um, Later on, a few years later, I uh, took another job on in uh, Jasper at a Whistler Hotel as a cook. Okay. Hadn't cooked, hadn't cooked, but I, I kind of lied my way into the job, and I've been paying for that lie <laughs> ever since, I guess. <laughs> now, why did you start off, uh, how, how, like, what did you like about working in the kitchen? Well, I come from a family of 12 children. We were 
growing up very poor family, uh, mountain, uh, or not mountain, but uh, uh, my dad was a miner, and um, we didn't have a lot. So working in a kitchen, once I got into the kitchen, I kind of realized that uh, food had a, a big play in what I would do and how I would, how I would uh, continue my life. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I was learning many different things, obviously, things we never saw in a home kitchen before. And so I just wanted to know more and more. So actually what I did is uh, for the first part of my career, instead of having an apprenticeship, actually changed jobs about every four months on purpose and went to somewhere new where after I had learned their menu, wanted to learn another thing. So I yes. worked for a Greek restaurant, Italian restaurant, Chinese restaurant. Just wherever I could learn more, that's what I did. And, you know, this is one uh, profession, working in the kitchen, where actually changing jobs is a benefit. At the beginning of your career, yes. You don't want to do too much once you're into your career, but to learn, the more you can learn, the better. We would have people come as a chef. I often, of course, have new apprentices coming out of schools looking for jobs, and they always say the same thing to me. I have a passion for cooking. So I'd like to ask them, how do you feed that passion? And often they would say, well, you know, I read cookbooks or um, I watch a lot of television. So I would ask them, well, what do you watch on TV? And often you hear, well, you know, I watch um, Gordon Ramsay and Hell's Kitchen or I watch Chopped or some other yes. cooking competitive show. So my answer to them is, well, I guess when it comes time to for me to fire you, you're okay with that. It's a little, <laughs> little bit flabbergasted. Why would you want to fire me? Well, because the shows you're watching, that's all they teach you. They teach yes. you how to get fired. They don't teach you how to cook. They, yes. You know, these, these shows that are, are on competitions. And they're good. Competition shows are okay. But if you want to have, if you have a passion for cooking, watch a show that'll teach you to cook. Yes. When I started my career, I used to... Watch Julia Child. People don't even remember her anymore. Or yes. uh, Justin Wilson. You remember Justin Wilson? Was a Cajun chef. Was I guarantee? But they taught you. Oh to yes. Cook. They taught you to cook, and that's what uh, I would encourage people to do today. If you're gonna, if you have a passion to cook, watch shows that'll teach you to cook. Do you think the Food Network? And it's a little bit of a side question here. Do you think it glamorizes it a little too much? Working in the kitchen? I think like, they've made, uh, they've done a lot of good for the culinary industry, um, but I think some of their programming has brought, um, has given a false narrative to what uh, the, the life of a kitchen truly is like. And um, so they've, they're, they're, they're kind of um, a double edged sword. They do good on both, on one side and and then cut it up on another. Like I just mentioned, the cooking co competition shows. Once you've, once you've developed your skills, that's when you want to be on those programs. But if you haven't developed skills, then don't go there yet. Now, for someone who wants to be a cook, start off as you did. Uh, how many hours would you expect? How many hours did you work in a kitchen working under a a well-known chef learning all you can. Would it be like 10, 12 hours a day? Oh, easily. Easily. 
Yeah. And that was seven days a week. Uh, wow. When I, first, when I first started, my average work week was 90 hours a week. Wow. And you do everything in the kitchen. Um, and that's where you learn. You learn by experience, uh, doing the same thing over and over and over. And, you know, if you listen to some of the great chefs, you'll hear their early years that they, they endured, you know, weeks of just peeling potatoes or peeling vegetables or, or one of the, one of the guys I, I like to, uh, listen to is, uh, uh, Morimoto Matsumoto, you know, the, the, the iron chef from Japan. Yes. Yes. If you, if you listen to his story, he spent three years just learning how to cook the rice. Wow. Sushi. So, you know, it's not all glamorous, but if you learn to do it and do it with, with care and concern, it will be, uh, eventually well worth your while. There's a real commitment at the beginning. Did you work for some uh, real well-known chefs uh, or in some of the places where you worked? Uh, you know, give us an idea. Did you? Would you suggest someone to find a well-known chef and just say, listen, I want to learn everything you know? If you can find someone that will take you on as an apprentice, absolutely. Um, and listen to them. Heed their, remember, they have the knowledge. You have the you may have skill, but they have the knowledge. And uh, knowledge, when applied to skill, creates wisdom. Uh, some of the great chefs uh, that I personally have known, you know, they, they've, they've run the same kind of uh, career as I had to. They began uh, at an early age, spending a lot of time in the kitchen and just learning. And that would be the best advice I can give almost any new cook going. Uh, get as much skill as you can. Gain as much knowledge as you can. And never stop. And, uh, you never, you know, and you never went to a cooking school, really? I did not, no. But I taught cooking school. Yes. But I, I did not. Uh, I never uh, served a formal... Uh, apprenticeship. That's uh, um, that's pr- that's pretty amazing. Well, that was basically because of circumstance. You know, um, you have to work. You have to make a, a living. And in my case, uh, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have a lot of financial backing behind me, so I worked my way through my apprenticeship. Nothing like learning on the job, and uh, it was a paid education, wasn't it? Rather than somebody maybe spend ten thousand dollars on a cooking course and work and get a job after and find out they didn't like it, you found out right away it was your passion. Well, the one thing you do learn is that uh, once once you have this skill, you want to keep improving it. I think a person uh, um, who has the true passion for cooking will endure, will endure quite a bit. Yes. Um, but they want to continue to, to feed that passion and, and the best way to do it is actually to work. What section of the kitchen did you like, do you like the most or did you like the most? 
saucier, uh, garde manger, or? Uh, well, I would consider myself a saucier. I like that finishing uh, of that dish. I like that dish to make sure it goes out looking yeah. just as, about as perfect as possible. That's where the whole presentation takes place. That's the last guy to touch the dish. Yeah. Now, as you uh, now, we've only got a, about a minute till the break, but uh, you know what? When we get back, I want to talk about what you feel. Uh, you know, some advice for a young person coming into the line, uh, coming in to be a chef. Uh, you know, consider what do you consider a great taste, uh, and you know, advice to a young student what they should do, and you know, and, and other questions we have. Uh, off right. the top of your head, when you started out, did you ever think you'd be where you are now? No. No. Um, I'm certainly grateful for where I am now and how I got there, but uh, my my goal was uh, to, to be good at what I did and to um, be a good manager of a kitchen, provide for my family. Right on. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more right after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. All right, we're back with Ron Kalanick. He's wrote a lot of books, traveled a lot, opened up a lot of restaurants, and we're talking about his career in the culinary industry. Ron we're going to talk a little bit about advice for younger people and what they should look for and what they should uh, concentrate on when entering the industry. You know, 
first of all, what advice would you offer to the young student or apprentice cook? Well, learn the basics first. Make sure that you've got a a great hold on the basics of cooking. Once you've developed the basics, then you can begin to, if you have a creative flair, then you'll be able to exercise that creative flair. Um, But I've seen a lot of cooks who, who come to me, and yet they haven't even developed their basic culinary abilities. So learn the basics. Then, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, give us an example of what you mean by basics. Well, I want, to, I want them to understand the difference, uh, for example, between uh, taste and flavor. Right? You, you hear a lot of uh, uh, people say, well, I cook for my taste. Well, believe it or not, that's a mistake because taste is made up of two things. It's made up first of, off of ingredients, obviously, and it's made up of personality. Yes. So we actually even say that in our conversation. That's not my taste in clothes or my taste in a haircut or my taste in furniture. We, we, it's our personality is attached to that taste. So what the problem with that is there are five basic personality types. So if I'm only cooking for my taste, then I'm guaranteed to only please 20% of the population. That makes sense. Uh, However, if I cook for flavor, that's a different story. What is flavor? Flavor is two things. Flavor is first ingredients, but it's also the science of putting those ingredients together. So if I develop the ability to follow a recipe... A recipe is nothing more than a scientific formulation. I do A, B, C, I always get D, right? So if I've developed my basic culinary skills in following the recipe, what I can do then is I now know this is the flavor profile. Therefore, I'm going to please almost everybody's taste. Now, on top of that... When I've got my basics covered, I know the difference between my taste and the flavoring profile. Then I can attach my taste to the basics. I can attach my taste to the flavor profile, and that's where my creative ability comes out. But if I haven't developed flavor profiles, if I don't understand the basics of how to achieve those through basic cooking, and if I can't, and I know that only my taste is pleasing 20% of people, I'm setting myself up for failure. And no yes. restaurant wants to fail. And being a saucier, uh, for instance, your favorite part of the kitchen, that's where a lot of this uh, flavor and distinctive uh, taste comes from. Absolutely. It's the finishing, it's the ability, a saucier's job is the ability to finish a plate. Right? Yes. So, again, if I'm the saucier and I, I'm, my taste is, uh, is for high spices and hot things, well, I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes out there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see a lot of my dishes come back. But if my flavoring profile has been developed, then I know that 
I'm not going to oversauce a, um, a nice fillet steak. I'm not going to undersauce a, a piece of salmon. I'm going to do that which just complements the fish, complements the steak. Everything on a dish should complement one another. If I put 15 things on a dish but it doesn't complement each other, I've just made a mess. Yes. And nothing more. The great restaurants um, that achieve the three stars from Michelin Guide or the five diamonds from AAA, the really great ones, they have learned the flavoring profile and they don't overdo their dishes. Right? So Yes. And they know their that, customer, right? They know their customers. That's another great thing every chef should do. I don't see it often. I did it in my restaurants. I and I made my cooks do it as well. I called them dining chefs. There's a new, whole new term I brought up. But every night I assigned one chef who would actually have to go out to the dining room and talk to every one of the guests. You yes. don't see that often, but what that does is it creates two things. It creates an insurance to the guests that they're, here's the kitchen. They really care about what they're doing, and it also stems or prevents problems between the service staff and the back of the house because the service staff knows if there's something that is not correct, they're actually going to get someone from the kitchen who cares about this out in the dining room dealing with the situation. The server doesn't cook the meal. No. Someone else cooks the meal. So let that person who cooked the meal take responsibility for the meal. Yes. Let the server take responsibility for what they do. And that's part of customer service, isn't it? Uh, fixing the problem. Absolutely. Prevent the prevent the problem before it happens. Yeah. When everything's going good, it's good. But, uh, you know, it's a sign of a good restaurant is when something goes bad to be able to fix it. Well, it goes bad. You can get in the weeds pretty quickly. That's for sure. Now, nowadays, you know, the the diner, the, the person who goes out to eat, I remember back in the... Uh, you know, 30 years ago, it was a privilege for most people to go out to eat at a restaurant. A lot of people just ate at home 30 years ago, but now everyone goes out. What do you, just give me an idea or give the, give the listener an idea of what trend you see happening. What's the, what's the hot thing going on right now in, uh, in uh, restaurants, like dishes and that? Well, I, th- I think we're going to continue seeing a trend in, in, in fusion a- Asian influence cuisine. Um, I kind of got a chuckle the other day out of a, a little cartoon I saw um, where a waiter went up to a customer and said, is there something wrong with your meal, ma'am? And she says, why? He says, you haven't taken any pictures of it yet. Oh. So th- th- that that's also a trend. It pushes this this you know, TripAdvisor, Yelp, those type of, uh, of um, websites are pushing the industry to be sharper. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we've seen where it can go to an extreme where unskilled people all of a sudden believe that they're food critics. Um, and I think that's a negative. 
Yes. But overall, I, I believe that the trend to to uh, excel is going to be the trend of the of the day. We also need to stop and consider as cooks who we are cooking for. We may own that restaurant. Odds are not. So are we doing our 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 employer the very best job that is possible? Otherwise, are we good managers? Unfortunately, there's a lot of great cooks out there, but they're horrible managers. They can't what? tell you what a dish costs. Yes. So they can't sell that dish for an appropriate price. Where yes. we see... Uh, they want to use um, exotic ingredients. They want to use uh, products that are, 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 are pricey, but their clientele doesn't want to pay that price. Right. So by communicating with the, the clientele, by being that dining chef that I, I described, you're out there talking to the customer. You get to know what the customer wants, and part of getting to know what the customer wants is what they can afford to pay. Yes. If I'm putting truffles on a, on a pasta, but the customer can't afford the truffles, why am I doing that? Yes. Right? So yes. You're, you're, again, that takes it back to the basics. Have I learned to cost my menu for my, my employer so he's making money? So he stays in business, so I keep my job. But I've also learned to cost that menu item for the client, for that customer. So they keep coming back, not because it's a deal, because it's worthwhile. You know, that's, that's one thing I don't like about certain uh, descriptions of restaurants. They go, this is my special well, what do you mean by that? You know, for me, when I did specials or features, that was something I was featuring. I it wasn't a deal. It might have been more money than what yes the daily menu price was, but I wanted to feature something. So it's again educating the cooks as well as the the front of the house staff to to understand the terminology. Uh, a special means I'm putting in extra effort into this. this. To me, at any rate, we've got a couple of minutes left before our next break. But uh, do you find perhaps that it, uh, the head guy who's in charge of the cost uh, the of the menus and that isn't passing enough knowledge down to the people working for him, or is it a lack of interest from the people? Like someone's got to, you know, um, show the initiative as well to learn all about costing. Well, that should that should be. Uh, a standard operating procedure, part of the training procedure of yes. any kitchen. It should certainly be part of the training procedure of the, our culinary schools. Um, the value of value. What value can I put on this menu? Otherwise, the value of value. Um, yes. when, a, when a cook does not know, then they are not a cook, in my opinion. A cook needs to know what things cost and how they can price that accordingly. 
It's not just what's on the plate that makes the matter, that makes the difference. It's what uh, the customer can afford that's on the plate that will yes. make the difference. All right. Well, we've got to pause for a, a few messages right now. At the other end of two minutes, we'll be back with Ron. You're listening to the Hospitality Industry News Network on voiceamerica.com, World Talk Radio. Also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. We're back with Ron Kalanick, and uh, we're just continuing our conversation about a career as a chef and how it all happens. Ron? As a teacher, what line of advice would you give your students to carry with them throughout their careers? Well, I think, I think uh, in, the, in, the, in the kitchen we have a saying. Uh, it's called maison place, you know, everything in its place, right? You can't, you can't yes. run a good kitchen unless uh, your maison place is ready. And well, I have a different term for that. I call it the five P's. Now, those five P's are as follows. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. So, again, it's the same thing. Maison place, everything in its place. In life, no matter what you do, you must be properly prepared. I would hate to go to court with a lawyer, and he's reading the brief of of the... the, the case as he's walking in the door. He's not prepared. You're going to lose that. So same with the kitchen. Everything has to be properly prepared. 
Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Every service is a performance. Yes. Whether we want to look at it as a, as a performance or not, we have guests. Our guests are expecting a certain degree of professional uh, presentation that they get on their plate. That's a performance. So we're, are we performing well or are we performing poorly? If we are properly prepared, if we've done our maison place, then no matter what is thrown at us, we'll perform well. You want to win one of those uh, cooking competition shows? Properly prepare yourself for it. So like the iron preparation stuff, so. <laughs> prevents poor performance. Yeah, as a server, I know as a waiter, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, if the kitchen's not properly prepared, as a server, might not be properly uh, mentally prepared either. You can just find yourself in a whole bunch of weeds. Well, it, it all flows down, right? So yes. the server does their job. He or she uh, prevents, pre- pre- presents the kitchen with a guest check. The guest check says, I want... Uh, two ribeye steaks, uh, one and a half inches thick, done medium rare. Um, but the kitchen said, well, yesterday we only sold one steak, so we're only going to cut one steak. So now I have to go out. I have to stop everything I'm doing, go in, find that piece of meat, find that loin, cut the steak off the loin, trim it down. Now it's not going to be seasoned, of course, because I never cut it. I have to at least take some time to get let the seasoning work into the meat, get the rub done. Uh, is my grill hot? Is my grill cold? The grill's cold. I can't cook the steak properly. Yeah. So now what? Now I'm into an hour as a customer's waiting for a steak. That That's just not properly prepared. Everything has to be in its place. And Absolutely. So if the cook has done their job, then the server can do her job, his job, and uh, the final result is a happy customer. That's the big thing. Always keep in mind that the customer needs to leave happy. Yes. Very important. It's what it. It's what makes it's it. It's what you're about. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, now, now, Ron, you've tried. You know, in, yeah, go in ahead. competition, in in in. So many restaurants out there, I may leave unhappy. I may not say anything. I may not go to Yelp or TripAdvisor and make a comment, but I may not be back. Right. And a restaurant survives on returning customers. Yes. Now, Ron, you've traveled to a lot of places. Give us an idea of what a chef, a, a a very well-trained chef. What opportunities are out there, and where have you been? Give us an example. Well, the, the opportunities are phenomenal that are out there. If if you want to travel, there's there's opportunity abounding everywhere. One thing I would I would advise a young apprentice who has who is unattached, who doesn't have uh, family responsibilities. Hire on with a large corporation. Get on with uh, one of the big hotel chains. They'll send you somewhere new every two years. 
Yes. Or a cruise line. They'll send you someone. They'll change your ships every so often. And you'll yes. learn more than you can ever imagine because you're, you're into a new area. You're into a new culture. Um, you know, it, it's like uh, dining in Toronto. You can dine in a different culture every day of the week for a year and never have to repeat it. So yes. if, if there's that many cultures out there, how much is there to learn? So in order to, to extrapolate the best out of my experience, I need to get with places that are sending me places, cruise lines, big hotels, and then develop what I love, find out what I'm going to love out of this, and then, and then begin to create that. I'll settle down. I can open my own restaurant, or I can go to work for someone who, who operates with what I love. I know exactly what you mean there. I spent a couple of years in Switzerland and worked on cruise ships myself. So, you know, the experience is phenomenal and it's, uh, it's like a working vacation. Almost. It is. And it's, it's the, the big part of that phrase was working. You're going to be working cruise ships for sure. You're going to work hard. You know, <laughs> I had one guy, one friend of mine who opened a restaurant next door to mine in the Okanagan. But he developed all his skill from work camps up on mines in northern Canada. He worked yes. far away in diamond mines. Um, and he loved that. Well, that's not for everybody. But what he was able to do was obviously bank a lot of money because there was nowhere to spend his money. Right. But he was able to, to learn how to please the regular person. When you've got to feed 300 people month in and month out, you're going to learn a lot about what the skill is to require to keep those 300 people, those same mouths happy day after day after day. Yeah, and they're the hardest to please, too, because they're a constant customer. They're there every day. Yeah, they, they, and they expect they begin to expect a very high degree of uh, culinary skill, and they want variety. Right. And, you know, it's only 300 people, but that's one of the best type of people to learn from how to operate your own individual restaurant because your restaurant survives on the return customer. And if I've got to know my customer, um, I'll get to know what's going to please him. One of my customers once was a comedian named uh, Yakov Smirnov. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, he was, yes. He was a comedian from the, the 80s. He had some, yeah. some hit shows. Well, yes. he's a vegetarian. And in one restaurant, he would come in three times a week. Monday, he always had to have the identical same meal. And it had to be presented exactly the same way. It was very fussy. He was a vegetarian. So and what was, was that? More fussy than others. What but, was the meal? Uh, I can't. I can't say. Okay. Um, okay. But Wednesday and Friday, he would come in, and you could never repeat those meals. Monday, right. you had to have the same. You had to have the same meal. He started with a borscht. Uh, he was Russian, so he started with a yes. borscht, 
And then we did a braised uh, beef with, or not beef, we did a braised cabbage. Uh, I'm trying to stretch my mind here. This was in the 80s, so. Yeah, it's um, a way, way back. But but that's that's the type of customer you you'll you will get, and that's yes. the type of customer you want. The fussier the customer, the more skills you develop. Yes. Who was the best? It, who who was the best entertainer you served? I would say Glenn Campbell. Why is that? Was, well, because Glenn. Um, this was in Branson, Missouri. I had a restaurant in Branson, Missouri, which is a little uh, theater town. It has about 107 theaters and has all these entertainers there. So I served guys like Andy Williams and Mickey Gilly or Charlie Pride, um, Tony Orlando, uh, the Osmond Brothers, Loretta Lynn. But Glenn wow. Campbell would come in, and he'd walk through my restaurant, and he would talk to every person in the dining room. Is that right, eh? And then he would sit down and have his meal with his daughter, Debbie. Wow. And his, his, his band. And he ate, he ate in that restaurant six days a week. Wow. Um, and we got to become very good friends. It was not just that he was the superstar. He was a superstar. But... We got to become friends, and um, I learned a lot from Mr. Campbell. I, you know, he he, he was uh, uh, or is a very genuine person, and and you know, a VIP is still a person. Yes. And in most restaurants, what what we don't realize is that we don't charge a VIP any more than we're charging the same person out there. Right. So serve them, serve them the same way we would serve anyone else. Yes. All right? And yeah. they appreciate that. Yeah. Tony Orlando was the same way. He walked through the dining room and he would talk to everybody. One day he came to me and said, Chef, I need a, a table for 20 people. I said, okay, Tony, for you, no problem. So we put a table for 20 people together. And then at the end of the dinner, he says, I want you to make me crepe Suzettes for 20 people at the table. Wow. Every dude, you know, you need about, we had eight different stations going to make these crepe Suzettes. Wow. And we're flaming uh, all around this table. I wish I had a picture of it. I never took a picture. But we had, you know, that would have been great. A ring of fire around this table. Wow. Um, so the, the the great thing about a VIP is that if you treat them like a customer, that's what they like. If you treat them like they're somebody special, they actually, for the most part, don't care for that. They want to be like everybody else. Yes. They're the easiest people to serve. They are. Yeah. They are. I asked Tony, why do you go to every table and talk to them the same way Glenn Campbell did, the same way... Um, Andy Williams did when Andy was alive. They all went to every table and talked to them. Yes. And uh, Tony says, well, when I sit down, I don't want them all coming to my table when I'm eating. Wow. It made so much sense to me, but I didn't see it at the time. Right? Wow. But you awesome. had other entertainers, Yakar Smirnoff, Jim Stafford. 
They all wanted to sit in the middle of the dining room, and my service spent more time keeping customers away from them, autograph seekers away from them, than they did actually serving customers. Well, so, well we got, you know. Ron, I got to pause there. We got to take a short break. All right. We'll be right. We'll be right back after a couple minutes. You are listening to the Hospitality Industry News Network on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole. N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, at rogers.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Ron Kalanick, and he's written a lot of books, a lot of cooking books. Uh, he's sold over 6 million copies, which is an outstanding amount of books to be sold. Ron, how did you find the time to write so many books? Well, it actually began as um, as as a bit of uh, a lark. In the mid '80s, um, Kraft Foods had a a culinary contest on that was called the Great Canadian Cheese Festival. And at that time, in '86, I was working for. Uh, a tennis club in St. Catharines, Ontario. And the, co- the contest was um, culinary, but it was also marketing, how you can market craft cheese. So what I did is uh, part of my marketing strategy, I wrote this little tiny cookbook that we put together with the, um, uh, what do you, you know, those spiral rings and, 
Yes. It was full of mistakes, and we create. We had little artist mice running through blocks of cheese, and it was about forty pages. But if anybody came into the restaurant and spent twelve cents, we gave them a free book. Okay. And it helped us market our books, um, and we won the contest. We won uh, first place for for Canada out of that. Wow. Um, so then. Uh, one of my regular customers was a gentleman named Harry Hatch, who was the president and owner of Bright's Wineries before they sold it. And Harry yes. came to me and he said, Ron, I really like this little cookbook. How do you write one for me for the winery? So we wrote him a little 100-page book of uh, for wine and cheese and he produced the books and gave us half to give away in the restaurant, and he gave the other half away at their main location on uh, Dorchester Road in Niagara Falls. Okay. So in doing that, one customer came in. His name was Larry Tannenbaum. We gave yes. him a cookbook. He flipped through it, and he said to me, he says, why aren't you writing books for me? I said, I don't even know you. Huh. He gave me, gave me his card. He said, be at my office at uh, on Thursday this week at 2 o'clock, and we'll talk. So I showed up at his office, and he had another gentleman in there from Montreal. His name was Guy. And Larry looked at Guy, and he said, Guy, this is Ron. Ron, this is Guy. Get, uh, Guy. Ron's going to write my next cookbook. I'm going to guarantee 100,000 copies. So we came out with our Simply Delicious Cooking Cookbook at that time in 91. We wrote 100. It came out January 10th of 1991. 100,000 copies, which is a huge amount of books for a cookbook. And it sold out in 10 days. Wow. Eventually, it went on to sell over a million copies in 11 languages, Larry would call me up and say, we're going to reprint another 100,000 of these books. My favorite word for the 90s was reprint. Wow. And uh, then we went on to write um, several more books. Uh, our biggest was uh, was uh, Simply Delicious Cooking 2, which was an 800-page cookbook uh, that we sold 1.6 uh, 1,675,000 copies in 19 languages around the world. Wow, wow, wow. It's, it's all to do with marketing. It's all to do with marketing. Um, wow. And our books are, are, have been well-received. I'm very fortunate about that. Uh, when we come out with a new book, uh, it's usually received well. Um we are coming out with a new book very soon. We're yes, going to give that book away. I don't know if we can do that here on the air on the air or not, but I've already said it. Um, so you we'll can... let you uh, let them know about that. But uh, that's a free cookbook on a PDF form. Um, just because. how will how will people be able to access that PDF? They can they can, if they will email me Chef K. Just the letter K at chefk.com and request the book. I will send it to them as soon as it's done. 
It should be done within the next week to 10 days. So that uh, chef... We're, we're, we're just working on the final edit of it. Uh, we're, we've got a little bit more photography to put in. That's one thing that set the, that our cookbooks feature. We feature a lot of uh, food photography. We don't do a lot of the step-by-step books, but uh, our photography is not complicated. We want the person who's cooking the dish to be able to recreate the picture they see. Wow. We don't get too carried away. I've seen some cookbooks where, you know, you have to be um, an architect to build that dish, and we don't want that. Okay. And that's Chef K and ChefK.com. Yeah. C-H-E-F, the letter K, at C-H-E-F-K.com. Okay. And you can get a free PDF copy of this cookbook when it's ready. Just send me an email. And any of these other cookbooks you have, including the one way back in 1991, where can you get those? I have to myself even get those online. So if you uh, search my name, Ron Kalanick, K-A-L-E-N-U-I-K, in brackets on Google, then they'll come up someplace. I usually go to a a place called Bilbo, B-I-L-I-B-I-O.com to get mine. Because they're okay. out of print, they're not available. You can get them in in many languages, but they're they're out of print right now. Okay, fantastic, Ron. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you this hour. Thank you, Steve. I really full appreciated of, it. Full of information, full of good stuff. Uh, this is a, a show that uh, any aspiring cook should listen to over and over again. As far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you very much. And uh, for those of you who have just joined us or joined us halfway through the show, uh, all the shows, including this one, it should be on the host page within a couple hours, are archived 24-7 on the host page so you can listen to them at your own convenience. They're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TunedIn, and Google Play. And... uh, All through this last uh, 11 weeks so far, we've had some great guests. And Ron is, uh, you know, just an example of what hard work, finding your passion uh, in the hospitality industry as a a cook first and then a chef and traveling around, uh, working in so many different places and serve so many celebrities and working in every every, uh, department in the kitchen. Uh, he's certainly an example of what you can do in the hospita- hospitality industry. Uh, and there's a great need for cooks out there, as I'm sure uh, Ron will agree with me. It's certainly a career worth uh, pursuing. This is Stephen Nicole for the Hospitality Industry News Network, wishing you a great week, and we'll see you next week with another great show. Thank you for tuning in to the Hospitality News Network this week. Please join your host, Stephen Nicole, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.